Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We have a very special guest for you today. He is an industry thought leader, a technology evangelist. He specializes in delivering better borrower experiences. Please help me welcome Tim Newen, co-founder and CEO at Be Smarty. Tim, welcome to the show. Michael, thanks for having me on. Oh, uh, well, excited! It, it is great to have you. You have a wealth of knowledge and expertise. For our listeners who maybe don't know you or aren't as familiar as I am with you, tell us all a little bit about your t background in mortgage and mortgage technology, and then we'll hit the ground running. Yeah, absolutely. I actually uh, accidentally got into mortgages. It's a long story, but I started in college, got introduced there through a friend of mine back then, and um, never left a mortgage since, you know, mortgage industry since. You know, I tell people, especially new entrants to our, our company and our space, once you get into mortgages, that's about it. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny you say that because the long-standing joke that has always been in the industry is once you're in mortgage industry, you never leave. You may switch companies, you may go do something else, but people don't leave the mortgage industry. Well, while the industry is very lucky that you haven't left. You bring so much to the, the plate, your knowledge, your expertise, understanding the tech nuances. So let's kind of peel that back and really let our listeners get to know you and, more importantly, your insights about the industry. So first of all, let's start with what are some of the challenges that you see that lenders are facing in today's market? Yeah, it's an interesting question because we serve lenders that are brokers, lenders or non-bank, bank lenders, um, consumer direct, traditional retail, wholesale lending, you name it. Uh, but then, you know, the most common theme of what lenders are facing this year is where's the volume coming from? How do I invest the profits I've made in the last year so I can be ready for the next wave and really prepare myself for a normal origination year? And, of course, imagine, you know, the, uh, the, the most common, how do I, you know, run my shop more effectively so I don't succumb to scale and volume and headcount crunch and, um, you know, issues that we face on a day-to-day -day basis being more, um, you know, business owners, really. Well, with some of those issues, how does technology help address some of those challenges? You know, so being a technology guy, you probably expect me to say, well, you got to buy technology, you need to implement it. And, and while that's true, you know, I caution people from jumping on that bandwagon. Um, you know, it really, at the end of the day, there's four things at play, right? There's people, there's process, there's technology, and there's philosophy. You know, how, how do you think about your business? How do you think about your, your industry? Um, it really, when you look at it from that perspective, technology is everywhere. It's a foundation. It's a, a way to connect the people, the process, um, and the philosophy that you hold dear to how you run your company, how you execute day to day. Technology is, is really there to, to bring those all together. It's not an end-all, be-all. It doesn't solve all of your problems if you don't implement it right. You know, um, I heard a long time ago, uh, technology can't fix a bad process, right? It'll just make that bad process even worse. Um, so really, you got to look at it, you know, as technology as a supporting um, tool, but you really have to wrap it around what's your people process and philosophy uh, strategies and execution plan looking forward. Uh, I love that, and I hopefully everyone has their pen and pencils out and they wrote that down. Technology can't fix a bad process. And I, I couldn't agree with you more, Tim. I think so many times people look at technology as kind of that easy button. 
Um, things aren't going well. Production isn't great. I don't have incredible borrower engagement, so I'm going to switch systems. And they think magically because I switch systems, if you still have the people in the process that aren't doing a good job, if you don't have a good process, you're still going to struggle. Uh, I love that insight because I think too many times people just jump on the bandwagon of let's get technology and not let's not worry about all of the things going on. So how do you help determine it then if somebody is a good fit or another way to put it is as a lender, how do I vet technology providers so that I know I'm answering those four things and not just jumping on the latest, greatest, shiny object? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you some guidance in, in two ways. You know, the first is you got to really know who you are as an organization. What makes your people tick? What makes your processes tick? How do you compete? What's your end game? Um, and you have to, you know, really know that answer because, again, technology is just going to bring that and make it better or worse, yep. right? If you have a bad funnel, technology is just going to help you burn through that advertising money faster than you normally would have. You have a bad process. Technology is going to help you exasperate that bad process. All right, so really get to know your organization. Um, you know, we all want fancy dancy tools, um, but if your people aren't ready for it, they're not the type of culture that's going to adopt. Well, then you change your adoption plan. All right, so again, get to know your people, your process, your philosophy. Um, that'll help you implement the right technology partner in the right ways and the right pace. So then, you know, more direct. How do you choose a provider? Um, you know, there's different approaches, I think, whether you're choosing a product pricing engine, a POS like ours, a, a LS, you know, a doc provider, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, me, I go back to people. At the end of the day, we do business with people we like and that we trust. Um, you know, can that organization you do business with, are they going to be there post-implementation? Are they going to be there before you enter implementation, Right. Um, so oftentimes, you know, sales organizations at technology companies, they're, they're there to make sales, just like you know, mortgage originators. They're good at it. They have a process, a stage that they go through to qualify you and take you through the process, right? Um, make sure that when you move into implementation, you have a team that's experienced, that's organized, that's structured, that understands your business. Um, the people at the other end, the technology side, has to work well with the people in your organization. If you identify a unalignment of culture fit, well, that's something to address right away. Maybe there's a different project manager you need to bring on. Um, but you got to get those bodies, you know, working together. The other thing I would say is convey that vision. Uh, oftentimes what we see is decisions are made at a corporate level. CEO or executive team has a certain vision, but that vision may not align with the way originators see their role evolving or the way processing evolves. Uh, so really make sure you, you kind of understand the culture fit on both sides of your organization and the vendors, the people at play. Make sure they have the right fundamentals to execute on an implementation plan. Um, then I would also say is make sure that post-implementation what happens. Right? Every technology vendor wants to get you live so they can uh, start billing you. Yep. But what happens for the small tweaks you need, the big tweaks? Are they going to be there to understand what, how your business is, is going to evolve in three months, six months, three years down the line? Right, that relationship, again, I go back to people. Uh, make sure you can work with these people, work with the leadership, work with the project people. Make sure that you're in alignment with them. Make sure they're going to be there, right? And that, we haven't even talked about technology yet. Then, of course, you have to have your checklist. You know, what's important, what are your non-negotiables in terms of feature sets. 
uh, what are the things that absolutely need done today, but also into the future as well. You don't want to pick something today, go through a multi-month implementation just to realize, oh, we knew to you know we knew already we're going to something that's going to change in a year and a half, but we didn't account for it, right? So you got to make sure you account for future flexibility and changes as well. Um, and of course, the one of the big things I would say is if you have technology-minded people, ask for proof of concepts, ask for references, ask the hard questions. Um, very often, when a client of ours brings in new technology that they want integrated into our platform, you know, I simply go back and say, "Look, let us help you vet them." Because we know exactly what you want, and we need to make sure their API, the way they do business, will align. And I'll, I'll take a pause there. Oh. Hopefully that's helpful. Tim, you had so many good insights there. I don't even know which one I want to kind of address first, but I, I love how you talk about that cultural alignment. And so many times the executive team may have a vision, but that vision has not been shared down with the rest of the group that is going to be implementing the rest of the group that is going to be using the product on a daily basis. And people invest a ton of money in tech that has very low user adoption. So if you really listen to what Tim was saying, one of the things that will uh, result from that is you're going to have much higher user, user adoption if you do this properly right from the get-go. Tech, you talked about. Yeah, you know, if I could just kind of speak on that point just a little bit more, Mike, if you don't mind. No. You know, um, you know, oftentimes what we see is the CEO has a vision, right? They want to get to a lights-out disclosures using our systems in 15, 20 minutes. Okay, technology-wise, we can do that. And then when that vision gets con uh, conveyed down to the project team, or sometimes it doesn't even get conveyed at all, the project is like, well, that's not the way we do business. How's that possible? What about compliance? What about fee aggregation? What about risk, right? What about reporting? Well, you know, what I would recommend to that CEO is, you know, if you have a vision in mind, that's what you're good at, right? You're good at setting the vision, setting the tone and the direction, but sell that vision to someone internally so they can take ownership of it. Because the, the weeds in implementation, in day-to-day -day operation, it's many. Uh, you know, we can all say, hey, we're going to go to the moon. But going to the moon requires thousands and thousands of people many, many years, right? Uh, same thing here. It's going to require a lot of people, a lot of time. Make sure that you have someone that can take ownership of your vision as a CEO and bring that to fruition. Let's talk a little bit. You talked tech, and I, I love how you talked about all the other things first. Not just It's not just technology for technology's sake, but you had mentioned it's important to bring in your other vendors, and you mentioned APIs. Talk to me about how important it is, because as I talk to lenders, one of the first things they now tell me is, Michael, if it doesn't fit our tech stack, I don't care how many cool features it has. It's not going to work for us. So I hear all the time, oh, we have APIs. Well, between you and I, I think we both know not all APIs are created equal. How do people go about vetting whether an API is going to fit within their tech stack? Is it a true API or is there bi-directional integration? Share with our listeners a little bit there because I think you always have some great insights on this topic. Yeah, you brought up a couple really good things here. I'll ask your question about vetting APIs and the right questions to ask. Uh, but I also want to kind of take a step back after that, if you don't mind, about um, you know what you, what, mentioned, what you mentioned earlier. If it doesn't, if that solution doesn't fit in my tech stack, then it doesn't fit for me, right? And there, there's a there, there's some truth in that, and also some things we need to talk about there. So when it comes to APIs, people will throw out these words, right? Oh, we have this API. It's bi-directional. It's secure, and 
it's there is fancy terminology that sounds like the right things to Mid-mo, say. Mid-mo, right? Whatever. <laughs> Automation, yeah. It's like walking into a car, buying an RV for the first time. They can throw all these lingo, you know, all this lingo out to you. What the heck are you talking about? I've never owned an RV. None of this makes sense, but sounds right. Must be good, right? Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe not. So make sure you have someone either at your organization or a, a consultant that can ask these hard questions first off. An API at the end of the day is really just a way for one system to talk to another. But your business is so much more complex than that. It's one system talking to this one and that one and that one. That one needs to talk to this one, right? And this one needs to talk to this other one you forgot about. So the APIs, you know, it, it, it's a mess, right? Everything's connecting to each other all in different ways. So get a layout of your ecosystem. What does your tech stack actually look like? Get those players together and ask each other the hard questions. Okay, look, here's my vision. What does bi-directional actually mean? Use real-life scenarios. Okay, because you, you may actually not need bi-directional for a certain component. Right. You may need it for a second component downstream to really get to the heart of not, you know, get beyond the buzzwords. Use real-life concrete examples, case studies, issues that you're trying to fix, opportunities you're trying to capitalize on, and have someone that knows technology, have the players that your vendors together. You know, the work that you do up front may seem like a lot when you spend these hours and hours of meetings and conversation. It might sound like all talk, and it is all talk. But what you want to you know, come from it is can those people work together? Are, are there visions or their execution plans in alignment? Are there any gaps and gotchas in technology? Because, look, you don't want to go into this four months later realize one vendor couldn't do something that they said they could or one vendor misunderstood what they thought they could do for you and your business. That's where it would start with uh, vetting out APIs. So true. Now let's jump back to the original part that I brought up that you wanted to make note of, of when lenders throw out the statement, well, if it doesn't fit in my tech stack, I can't use it. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to vary from technology solution to technology solution, right? Every now and then as consumers, take yourself out of mortgage just for a second. You come across something that's so amazing, you want it, even if you have to reconfigure a house, even if you have to move. You want this so bad, whether it's a school district or, you know, some type of vehicle you want. Now you're going to go out there and learn how to drive an ATV, right? You know, there's some technologies that you absolutely want and you're willing to make changes for. Um, that's because you've... Envision yourself using that technology, or you envision yourself getting the benefits of that technology. So that's where I would start. Is let's say you want to implement a POS. Okay, everyone has a POS, everyone should have a POS, but why? Right? Because if you can truly value the metrics of what this technology and this tool will give to you, maybe it is worth changing some of your technology stack, you know, um, components out. Right? If you can quantify a POS saving you. 30% of time and efficiencies. If you can quantify and reducing a turn, you know, you're closing, you know, from 40 days down to 25 days, then you do the math. Is it worth it? And if it is worth it, then you follow suit with that technology vendor, right? The product and pricing engine you're on right now, the fee aggregation provider you're on right now may not be the right, right solution to achieve your goal if that goal is worthwhile. Right. Now, if you come back and you say that goal is not worthwhile, then you're probably right. Then you're going to want to hold on to your same vendors and choose another provider that plays nicely with that. But that's where I would start as well, is what is that vision? What are you really trying to accomplish? How do you quantify that? And then you can really make a decision if it's worth pulling the pieces out and making changes. Oh, excellent feedback. Tim, another question I want to ask you is, 
What's new with Be Smarty in 2022? I just saw an announcement on an acquisition. You guys are moving and shaking. You continue to bring on new customers, new clients, new partnerships. Give everybody an update of some of the exciting things that are happening at Be Smarty. Yeah, so we just acquired a, a company called Flashbrand. It's founded by a, a, an entrepreneur by the name Ariel Tribush. What he did was he created the best that we've ever seen in terms of extracting data from structured tax returns, moving that data into the system, and using that data, applying it to underwriting, applying it to uh, KPIs, reporting, et cetera. Um, he did that in the commercial lending space. So think SBA loans, think you know business-type loans, okay. right? But we acquired this anyways because it's the best that we've seen. We've seen so many other players out there, and we'll mention any names, um, and they're all okay. This is the one vendor we, you know, one um, um, company we found that just did it in a different way, and it's just really, really good at it. So we're going to let them grow commercial lending. Um, you know, they're plugged into you know all these big commercial lending you know LOSs out there, and they're they're doing really well over there. But we're going to take that know-how, and we're going to bring it to mortgages, and that includes right, you know, consumer uploaded returns, tax documents for self-employed borrowers. Moving that downstream into um, vehicles where you know, you know, should I even fund this loan? Can I even sell this loan before I fund it? Right? It's going to help answer these questions. We're also in the background looking at some other um, add-on acquisitions to that flash bread technology that help us get deeper into mortgages, you know, past origination to closing all the way into uh, secondary markets as well. Very exciting, and I know you guys have a lot of strategies and things that you'll be executing on in 2022. For those who aren't familiar with Be Smarty, what's the best way they can find out more information? How do they get a hold of you if they want to have a more in-depth conversation on some of the things that we've spoken about today? Yeah, you know, I would say, um, you know, work with, you know, reach out to Be Smarty, work with Be Smarty. Um, you know, our BHAG here is really simple. We're trying to get the seven-day mortgage close across, you know, consistently across your pipeline. Okay, we've got the first three days covered. We're on a journey together. Uh, we learn from our clients. We learn from our partners. we got these last four days to tackle, which we're, we're doing. We have a plan for that. Um, if that vision, you know, excites you, if you see that as a feature, um, you know, give us a call. Uh, I would say, you know, reach out to... Uh, let me get you our VP of Sales email. I think that would probably be the, the, the best reach out. Mike.Hinson at bsmarty.com. M-I-K-E dot H-I-N-S-O-N at bsmarty.com. He'll get you connected with um, an AE in your area. And I look forward to talking to you and learning more about your vision. That your would be plans. perfect, Tim. Thank you for that. Before we go... I, you have so many great insights. You have a wonderful pulse of the industry. What do you see on the horizon for 2022? We're here in January. We have a fresh new year upon us. What do you see for the mortgage industry uh, in 2022? You know, specifically for 2022, I kind of go back to the challenges lenders are facing right now. Everyone came off of really good origination years where it was basically money almost, you know, grew on trees. Um, the business, you know, I would say the industry it has slowed down, right? We're all expecting about a 33% drop in new originations. But even then, a $2.6 trillion a year, that's not a bad year. That's a really good year of originations. So what we're seeing is, okay, where's that volume coming from? How do I get really good at the nuts and bolts of the things I've been doing for so long, right? And could I have capitalized on the boom that we had recently better? 
All right, so in those two ways, how do I bring in more revenue? What channels should I be looking at? How do I cater to the you know, consumer direct marketplace? We're seeing that a lot. How do I cater purchases in a consumer direct marketplace? How do I do that in a retail environment, right, beyond just you know, relationships as well? Um, our tools are usually you know, oftentimes used as recruiting tools as well, originators that, that want to offer their, their partners, their realtor partners more. Right? So where is that revenue coming from? How do we compete and get, you know, win those purchases, win that volume? And how do I prepare myself um, for all the lessons I learned the last two years? Yes, we, we, you know, everyone did well, but could you have done better? What can you do now when you have the profitability to carry over to prepare for the next spike? You know, it may not be a spike of, you know, ma uh, of massive proportions like we saw. Right? It could be a spike because you have a you know, new relationship. You're in new marketplaces. You have a new domain. You have a new lead source. Right? You have a new 50-branch um, you know, you know, acquisition that you just made. These opportunities are constantly coming at us. Right? Don't think about it in terms of just the market doing well. You know, what are you doing that's going to spike your business from you know, 1.5 trillion or million, billion in rich nations to 2 billion this year? Right, that's a big lift. That's a big jump, right? Absolutely. So how do you prepare for that? How do you capitalize on that and be as effective as possible? Oh, Tim, so that's where our focus is this year. So many great insights. You are welcome back anytime to the show. I know our listeners are going to go back, replay it, take notes down. They know how to get a hold of Be Smarty. I can't thank you enough for being a guest on this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Thank you, Michael.